You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. I am your host, Louis Kornfeld, and my guest today is Kiki Mickelson. Yeah. Thank you for being here, Kiki. Of course, my pleasure. Kiki uh, performs uh, every Tuesday with Musical Megalore, part of Public Pool, as well as Friday nights with Premiere the Musical. How are you doing? I'm good. I think this is our first, like, real conversation. It is. Yeah. It's you not, coached Premiere recently, and I think that's when we met the I first be, time. Yeah, I believe that is the first time. Nice to officially get to know you. Ditto. Tell me about yourself. How's that for a start for a conversation? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm Kiki. I live in Brooklyn. Um, I, I've been doing improv and musical improv for five years. Uh, after I moved here after college, um, I started, and it is pretty much all I do now, mm. uh, which is really cool. And um, yeah. That's, that's like the overview. I mean, I would say like the, like the first date version, I'd say I'm an actor. Mm -hmm. My name's Kiki. I'm an actor. I don't know. Yeah. Is that, do you like, I'm curious how people think about themselves. I guess like nowadays it's like not polite to think about yourself as like, oh, I'm an actor. Everyone's kind of everything now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say like, I guess I'm like an actor who does most of what I do is improv Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, I was nannying for, I mean, I've nannied off and on since for years, but, um, I recently quit that job and to focus on just doing, being an actor Mm. uh, and an improviser and a performer and a comedy person. Uh, and yeah. So I'm experimenting with for so long. I'd be like, I'm a nanny Mm -hmm. because that's like what I did for money. Mm -hmm. But so it's like. I've been recently experimenting with a, I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, doing improv mostly full time. Um, was that a choice or was that a, uh, you woke up one day and realized you were doing improv full time? Uh, well, more I woke up one day, like when I joined Premiere uh, in March. That was a fourth show every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Musical Megawatt on Tuesdays, Vern at the Pit on Wednesdays, um, Happy Karaoke Fun Time is just tonight actually finishing up our run at Under St. Mark's. Congratulations. That's, that was, thank you, Thursday nights, and then premiere on Fridays. Um, so it just became, I'm doing that most of the time, and then uh, I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with Baby Wants Candy. Congratulations. Thank you. And joining the cast of Blank the Musical. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and that's like all happening at the same time. And so for the next couple of months, like that's what I'm doing for money at least. And uh, and just in general, which is like, so it's a combination of like slowly adding over time. There was a time when I had like one show a week. Mm-hmm. Slowly adding shows over time. And then uh, once I, when I quit, my job. I was like, okay, well, this is what I do. This is what I'm best at. Yeah. That's what I love the most. So do you, do you ever get, um, like, do you still look forward to the next show that you're doing or do you ever get like another show this week? Do you, do you experience burnout or, or do you kind of thrive on the, on the, uh, um, on the busyness? 
I do sometimes. Sometimes, like, getting to a show can be tough. Mm -hmm. Getting to rehearsal is tougher, but you got to do it. Mm -hmm. You got to get there. Uh, and and for both, more for shows, but once I'm there and, you know, I can be, like, exhausted and tired or, you know, stressed out, whatever, and not really not be looking forward to my whatever show. And then, like, when I'm backstage and, like, run on stage, like, that moment, it like snaps back in. And then 45 minutes later, I'm like, I, I got to go home. Yeah. I do not hang much because I like can't every single night. Uh, but for the moment of being, I mean, it's my favorite thing. Yeah. The moment of being in the show and even in the rehearsal, like I'm happy. Uh, is this going to be your first time going to Edinburgh? Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm really excited. Uh, I have never been, I think there's also some other places i'm not sure i don't want to it's not my thing i think we're going some other places but it's like travel to all these places i haven't been before and you know and it's it's doing uh it's for at least the fringe festival part of it it's a show every single day for 28 days Jeez. um and i'm i think it's gonna be so fun i was talking to jody shelton about it and he's he said it's like summer camp yeah which I'm like, I love summer camp. <laughs> Sounds awesome. What are they like living? What's the living situation going to be like? I don't know a ton um, yet. There's not a ton of details available to me at this point in time. Hopefully more will become available soon. Um, I, I think it's like everybody's kind of in an apartment mm -hmm. with a roommate, you know, a couple people per room. Um, just so it's like living with and performing with and hanging out with like all the same people. So that's like sort of the summer campy like. My very best friend in the whole world, I met at a summer camp, a mm -hmm. summer program. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I know that like when it's like a condensed, you're getting like three years of hanging out together yeah. in a month. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. There's a, there's a link between like summer camp and um, like school plays and improv practice groups in that they all have these like compressed intimacy yeah. Factors. Yeah. They're, they're just like boot camps for like instantly getting very, very close with people. Right. Yeah. I mean, all of my friends, all of my closest friends are people I am on teams with or have been on teams with because those are people I saw for a weekly two hour rehearsal and a weekly show for a period of years. And so you just like, you know, other people I don't do improv with, I see, you know, once a month maybe, or like, uh, but it's it's funny how it really like accelerates because it forces you to like be with these people and be having fun and you know it's obviously an enjoyable thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's all my friends are improvisers now. Mostly improvisers I currently improvise with. Yeah. Yeah. Are you good at maintaining relationships? Um, I try. It's something I I I have set an intention this year. One of my like New Year's resolutions was to send out love every day. Mm -hmm. So to like text or less call, I'm not a huge phone person, but like text or even like Facebook or whatever, like let somebody know that I don't talk to every single day that I love you. And, um, and I think that's helped to try and, uh, maintain some, some friendships with the people who I don't like see every yeah. single week. Cause I perform with them. Yeah. It's an art. And, yeah. Uh, maybe a particular personality set too, but definitely an art to 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 
be good at maintaining long distance friendships with people and, and long over time friendships with people. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have friends that are really good at that. And I always really appreciate that about them. Yeah. People who like check in on you or I have a friend who wrote me letters like once a month for years and I never reciprocated. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I guess that's kind of an asshole thing, but I would love her letters, but I just never, it's not something I do. I don't like sit down and write letters. Right. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, I, I, I would like instantly become resentful at someone for writing me letters <laughs> after, after the first flush of, Oh, isn't that sweet? Comes the resentment of how dare they put me in this position where I have to you you know, like have respond to, respond. to this. I think I wrote like a couple emails back a few times. Yeah. It's like, that's just easier for me, but um, God bless. Yeah. So let's back up. Okay. Um, are you are from Oklahoma? Is that right? I went to college in Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, I'm from Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, went to college in Oklahoma. I got. Uh, I went to Oklahoma City University and got a vocal performance degree. Okay. Um, so a bachelor of music degree in opera singing, um, and moved here right after college, and with the sort of intention of taking a few years off before I went to grad school, mm-hmm. which is you kind of have to go to grad school in that world, in the opera world. Um, but I have a really big voice that takes longer to develop. And so I didn't want to rush into grad school. Um, what uh, I'm sorry to, to stop you. Sure. Um, so what, what does that mean exactly? Voices, voice and music is uh, the mystery of mysteries to me. Really? Yeah. Okay. So in opera, there's like voice types, right? Mm-hmm. So there's um, there's really light voices. And those people, it's like, I, I don't know. I wish I could make a comparison to like wine or cheese or something. Uh, but I mean, like it, they take less time to reach their full capacity. Mm-hmm. So that would be like a coloratura, a soubrette, um, like more of the ingenue types, at mm-hmm. least for female voices. And then as you get uh, bigger and bigger, like a lyric is sort of middle and then a dramatic voice, which is the ones that sing with the huge orchestras. So mm-hmm. they sing the Wagner and the Verdi, um, m- more Wagner, uh, which is like, you know, hundred and plus piece orchestras. And so it's the voices that can really cut through that. Mm-hmm. And that's like the one, like when you think of like the right the horn hat, right, and braids, right, the um, the, the kind of glass shattering, resounding, yeah. pow- powerful, yeah. powerful opera. And that those kind of voices take a lot longer. So when I was in college, eighteen to twenty-two, my teacher identified that I probably had a dramatic voice, but there's no way I could even begin to approach that repertoire because mm-hmm. I just couldn't sustain the size of my voice like up high like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't want to rush into another degree where I was still 10 years from singing that rep or mm-hmm. even looking at it. Um, and yeah, so I moved here, was broke, had a lot of trouble finding a job, had some really shitty job experiences, was like kind of felt very lost, did not have the money for voice lessons. And uh, I took an improv class and I was like, oh shit, this is it. This is the thing, right? And because I had always, I had this, I remember, um, 
in the like getting to know you before uh, at the first rehearsal of an opera I did my senior year. Some the, the like prompt, the getting to know you prompt was what's your secret dream? And I was like, my secret dream is to be on SNL. And after I took an, like my first, literally the first class, I was like, what is more like being an opera singer is not a practical dream. Mm-hmm. It is not easy. It's not like there's literally nothing better about it than trying to be a comedian. Like they're equally not silly. I don't think it's silly, but you know, like very specific. Yeah. And really hard. And one is not easier or more achievable or more practical than the other. Right. So it's like, why is that my secret dream? Why that should just be my dream. <laughs> like that should be my dream dream. And then it took me another like six months to stop thinking of myself as an opera singer. But did that supplant a, a, an opera dream or, or like, was it re- a revelation to you when you realized that SNL was your secret dream? Um, no, it, it, it did take over. I don't, the thing is, is that opera is like an all or nothing kind of like Mm -hmm. you have to, um, the voice is though that kind of singing is very athletic and like an athlete, you have to train really hard. You have to be very careful, Mm -hmm. um, with your voice. You have to like, um, you know, just treat it really delicately and, and like a, like an Olympic athlete would treat their body, you know? Um, and that just, it's so much that you have to want it a hundred percent. You know, this has to be the only thing you can imagine yourself doing or do something else. Mm -hmm. You know, they say that. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think I ended up singing opera because I started in musical theater was told that I was like too big and couldn't dance. So, why do musical theater? Mm-hmm. And my voice teacher was like, you can sing classical. You're good at it. And I was like, okay, I'm good at it. And I followed that for a couple of years. I'm good at it. And then once I found a thing that I was good at and that really sparked my fire, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't need to be an opera singer. So it's like a temporary, it was like a temporary reprieve from sort of a path that was pretty clear to you. Yeah. I mean, I've known since I was like eight years old that I wanted to, my dream was to be a performer in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was, I did straight theater. I did musical theater. I did opera. I did, um, like a little bit of like film stuff. And I, it's always been circling around the same thing. And then once I found improv and especially musical improv, I was like, Oh, like this is Mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the same. Like it's, they're all the same. Like I was walking on parallel paths, like since my whole life. Yeah. But, um, and I'm grateful that I have that degree and you know, my, my, uh, I didn't pay for it, which was really great. I think I would feel a little more resentful if I had paid money for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was really lucky with scholarship and stuff and yeah. And now I have this, like the world needs more educated opera listeners. Yeah. And so now I like know a lot about this thing that really fascinated me and that I really like and is still a part of my life, but I just don't do it mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Do, do you go though? I mean, are you, are you? Yeah, I try. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's expensive. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I, I do, I do go, I do listen um, to, to stuff. Like I'll still go on like an opera bender on YouTube sometimes. And I really love it. It's just not, it's a hard life. Yeah. It's really hard life. So is being a comedian, but. 
hard in a different way. Yeah. And if, you know, I don't know if any opera singers are listening to this, but frankly, improv people are way more fun than opera people. I've heard that. <laughs> like if I'm going to be surrounding myself with people, I think I would rather it be improv people are the best people. Uh, improv people are pretty easy to be around for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like people that are like, you can easy to talk to. I mean, all the skills. Oh gosh. I'm like, I sound like I totally drank the Kool-Aid sometimes when I talk about it, but honestly it like t- makes you a good person. Mm-hmm. It's like all good life skills, like good person skills. Say yes, be supportive. Like you're on a team. Everything you build together is better than something you would do by yourself. Like, you know, and opera is like, it, it's, it's solitary. I mean, it's like your voice. And I mean, it is like productions and stuff, but, and like also, you know, the whole thing about having to treat your voice like so, you know, you can't go out and talk loud and yeah. you can't, you can't, I mean, people do drink and smoke and stuff, but like, and not like that's my number one goal in life, but just that kind of. Anxiety. Right. There's a, there's a particular price that you pay for that. If, if that's your dream or, or, or that's your talent, then the price is that your, your equipment, your voice, your body is a valuable commodity that needs to be treated a particular way. Yeah, exactly. So it means that the, some of the experiences that kind of belong to a person's youth may not necessarily be, be nurtured in the same way. Yeah. 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 So that's actually how I started going by Kiki was because when I first was still kind of thinking of myself as doing both, Mm -hmm. trying to do both, um, I made a really weird video with my best friend and, uh, Best friend from summer camp. Yes. Who is uh, an improviser. She's at, uh, her name's Lindsay Calloran. Mm -hmm. She performs at UCB. And um, we made a really weird video to Lady Gaga's Judas. It's like very weird. It was like kind of comedy and kind of not. And uh, it involves some like weird religious imagery. And uh, I was also auditioning for church jobs at the time. Like describe a church job. Like, you being in the choir and like sometimes singing like solo stuff I on see. a Sunday. Okay. It's like you rehearse and sing. I had a church job in Oklahoma Okay, and it's easy money. Um, but you have to go to church every week. Uh, and yeah. And my mom was like, how are you, you know, you don't want to like have this under your name. Like, you know, it's if you're auditioning for church jobs. So I was like, okay, I'll be Kiki for comedy and Kirsten for opera. Mm-hmm. And then when I sort of was like, I'm not really doing opera anymore, I, you know, I quit or whatever. Um, I was like, well, I guess I'll just be Kiki all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's like, I'll just stick with that. Um, and that's, yeah. So that's how, that's the birth of Kiki. That's a very symbolic. That's a nice way to symbolize uh, yeah. uh, uh, making that choice to determine your life's path in comedy. Yeah. I was like, Kiki's a way more fun name. Yeah. Um, so let's, so where you signed up for an improv class, uh, um, after having moved to New York, what was the, like, where did that come from? Where did you hear about it first? Was was that something that was on your radar? Yeah. Lindsay, my best friend Mm -hmm. had taken 101 and 201, like in the couple years previous at UCB. Mm -hmm. And then she was on a short form team called last call and asked me to like sit in with them. And I did a few shows with them in the first like year or so that I lived here. Um, and I was like, this is really fun. I like this a lot. 
I want to keep doing this. I mean, short form and, you know, it was just like a fun little group. And then, uh, yeah, so I knew about UCB through Lindsay. So I signed up for a class at UCB, signed up for 101 and loved it. Quickly signed up for 201, heard about the pit, signed up for level one there with Leslie Collins, former magnitude mm-hmm. and at the pit. And then in that same time, so this is like May of 2012, I saw uh, Diamond Lion, which was a former musical mm-hmm. UCB team and lost my mind. I thought it was the funniest thing I had ever seen. I could not believe that it was happening. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen, heard. Like I just, the music plus the improv. I was like, holy shit. And uh, I don't know how I knew to go to the magnet for class because I don't think I knew anybody who was like a magnet person. Mm -hmm. But somehow I, thank God, found, and there was a, a level one class starting two days later. This was Friday night. My level one started Sunday. So then I was in like 201 at UCB, level one at the pit and level one magnet. And so I dropped the pit. I did not continue there because I couldn't afford to keep going through three programs. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then that level one class was like me, Jen Connor, Annie Moore, Mike Kuplick, um, all these people. It's like was it was a really stacked class. Were they that good? I mean, some of those people were already pretty experienced, but but in a level one class, was it clear that these guys were like outstanding musical performers? Yeah. I mean, our class was really special. We called ourselves the sing kids. Mm -hmm. There was this guy, I don't know if you ever met him. He was like around for a while. And then he like mysteriously, mysteriously disappeared as quickly as he came. This guy named show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Show. Yeah. yeah. I used to, I used to be the recipient of some very beautiful emails from show. Such a lovely Con, like one of the most special people I've ever met. Yeah, he's one of these guys who would just like periodically reach out to you. Actually, very similar to to you committing to uh, an act of love every day. Yeah. He just reach out out of the blue just to let you know how special you are. Yeah, like one of those guys. Yeah, and like be- like long emails, yeah. so great. He was in the class, and he he I don't remember when if it was in level one, but he called us. He was like, "We're the sing kids," and we were like, "Yes, we are," and. Gosh, I miss show. I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> I miss show too. If you're listening to this show, we, show. we miss you, man. Please come he, back. He, he, he used to periodically he'd come to shows and then he'd send you an email to 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 uh, uh, tell you that he appreciated the show and he would always sign off the email with "Thank you for that voodoo you do." Yeah, which I thought was so charming. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, I really think he like had to come in and like touch all our lives and then like go find another community. Yeah, like that I think that's like what he does. What a special guy. We bought him a star at the end of uh, our level three class because we, the same group moved through all three levels together. Mm-hmm. We bought, we named a star. An actual star. You bought the name of an actual star. Yeah. You know how you can do that? Sure. We were like, show would love that. That's beautiful. And he was like our mascot or the heart and soul of the class. Mascots too, like silly. Yeah. He was like such a great guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we were the same kids and that, and yeah, I think, I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to imagine what we were like in level one now. Cause that was like five years ago, but it was quickly very special. Mm-hmm. Like, and Michael Martin was our teacher. And I think he very quickly was like, you guys are really good. And, um, yeah, it was just such a great group. Yeah. It was such a great group. It was awesome. Yeah, people, you know, talk about the improv community and in like a, 
as like a blanket statement, the community, but actually like your experience of being part of it is, is it's many small communities that kind of spontaneously grow. Yeah. And I find it really interesting how there's these characters who periodically will sort of like enter that and will play a role that just kind of galvanizes this small part of the community to get someone like show or, or I, I had, there was a guy named Jared in, in my life who was like around just long enough to convince me to stick with it and introduce me to Armando and get me to that class. And oh. then he like quickly lost interest. Yeah. But for me, it was like a turning point for everything. And, and, and there's just these characters who kind of like seem to show up and they galvanize your portion of the community and they help you become a little bit more of the person that you are and the role yeah. that you play in this smaller community. And then off they go on their merry way to whatever life has in store for them. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It is true that there are like little little communities within community, within community. Yeah. Um, and not like cliques necessarily. No. Just like you have a role in certain areas of that community and there's a special kind of bond with the people that you came up with that remains your generation. You may be you're a you may be like an elder statesman in the larger community. Yeah. But you also play another role in your generation of improvisers and and you play another role when you look up to the generation that came before you and interlocking communities. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It's interesting at an event like um DCM this past weekend mm -hmm. seeing, you know, uh, I like went to the party space on Friday night and I was like, "Oh yeah, I know so many people." Yeah. <laughs> like so many people I've like taken a class with or done a show with or like whatever, you know, there's a girl who like was in those classes in the sync kids who was in college at the time, Dahlia, mm -hmm. so talented. And so she had to go back to college. Maybe she was only in level one. I don't remember, but I saw her at DCM. She moved to LA and I was like, Oh my gosh, like so cool to see somebody from like so long ago. And like that we're both still in this community, but in totally different coasts. Mm -hmm. And like, it was neat. Um, so let's talk a little about some of the different shows that you do. Yeah. Um, first off, another congratulations on Baby Wants Candy. That's Thanks. how was that for you? What was the process like of getting onto Baby Wants Candy? Um, so uh, well, I guess maybe maybe back up. Explain sure. Baby Wants Candy to anyone who's listening who may somehow not be familiar with with the show. Sure. Um, I've been telling people outside of like like my mom and stuff. I'm like, Baby Wants Candy is about as big as musical improv gets. Yeah. Like if any musical improv can be considered a household name or like has it like, I think it's Baby Wants Candy. Yeah, they've they, just they been were kind of the for, first musical show. Yeah, and they, they've had really successful runs um, that like at, uh, I think Barrow Street, they had a mm -hmm. run uh, a couple of years ago and, um, and they've been doing the Edinburgh, French festival for a couple of years. And yeah, so it's, it's kind of like the big boys of musical improv, um, as like big as musical improv mm -hmm. is, it's still obviously a very niche community, yeah. but, um, and they have, they have weekly shows, I believe in Chicago and LA, but they don't really have much of a New York contingent at the moment. Um, and yeah, I, I, they were looking for, I, uh, female improvisers to go to the fringe, but also they wanted to hold an audition in New York to like, um, just be more aware of who's here when they do get the occasional New York gig. And so I auditioned in May and then, uh, there was like a long process of like, I think like being on hold and sort of like 
figuring out. And then just like last week I got final confirmation that uh, I am going and I'm super excited about it. And I think it's going to be a really cool, fun, crazy uh, boot camp. Do you know who else is in the company? Um, the only people I know for sure are the other two ladies from New York, Katie Berry and Meg Riley. Ooh. And who are both North Coast gals. Yeah, both great. Yep, so great. And I believe Dan Wrights is going as the music director. Oh, yes, that yes, that's true. Yes, who is one of my dear friends. Yeah. And uh so super excited about that. Yeah. And then I'm like not hundred percent sure about the rest of the people because I don't really know most of them. Yeah. It's like Chicago and LA people for the most part. Exciting. Yeah. Just like summer camp. You got a couple of people. Uh, 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 that you're already in with and, yeah. and a whole month to get to make brand new friends. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 28 days out of your life to be in, in Edinburgh and, and performing is a pretty big chunk. Yeah. How, how, how was that pulling the trigger on that decision to just pull out of everything for a month? Um, well, it's even longer than a month cause there's like some rehearsal and then there's some time on the back, uh, where I think we're going to other places. Um, it's nerve wracking. If I'm being totally honest, I'm a little bit nervous um just because i've never been away for that long since i moved here six years ago i've never been gone for longer than two weeks maybe mm-hmm. um and i do have so many like shows and teams and things that like everybody is like so supportive and wonderful and nobody i, mean, I don't feel like threatened of being cut from anything or whatever mm-hmm. but you know it's just it's a lot to miss it's like seven public pool shows, seven Vern shows, seven premiere, seven, you know. Um, but, you know, obviously with a really great, exciting payoff. And, and yeah, I'm, it's the universe heard my call. What was stressing me out the most was subletting my apartment, mm-hmm. my room in my apartment. Um, and a girl, a girl I knew from my very first high school that I transferred out of my so- early my sophomore year. So I haven't seen this girl in 14 years, probably. Uh, Facebook messaged me out of the blue and said, do you know anyone looking for a sublet in late July? And I was like, well. As a matter of fact. As a matter of fact. And so I think that's going to happen. So I didn't even have to like go looking. That's amazing. So, you know, thank you, God, or yeah. universe, or whatever. Yeah. Goddess, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, sure. Something. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um uh, premier, uh, Vern. Vern, yes, is my team at the pit. Uh-huh. We just celebrated our three-year congrats anniversary. Thanks, super exciting. Um, and public pool. And public pool. Yep. And happy karaoke fun time is about to be done for this run, but is still around. Um. So what's the what's the difference in the shows? How do you how do you kind of set yourself mentally to do each of those? Um, okay. Uh, premiere is an hour, so that's different. Or, you know, 45, 50 minutes, um, which I love having the extra time. Whereas Public Pool and Vern both have, uh, Public Pool is a strict, all the musical megawatt teams are pretty strictly have to be 25 or under. Mm. Vern, we get like 25, 30-ish. Um, so... I love the extra time. I feel like in a premiere show, in a, in a longer show, you get time to, like, you can have a scene that's literally just fun. It doesn't advance the plot in any way. It doesn't necessarily, like, have anything to do with anything, but it's just, like, very fun and silly. And premiere loves to do, like, a 
big group scene that's literally just goofy. And then we're like, okay, back to this story, mm-hmm. like back to what we were talking about. Whereas in a 25-minute show, every scene really kind of has to be moving you forward in some way. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're going to be kind of screwed at minute 24, right. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, Public Pool is real goofy. I love this team. Um, we make each other laugh so hard. Um, Vern is uh, super musical. Vern really hits that like music major part of me. Um, and Dan Wrights has been playing with us for that that three years, and he's such a genius musician and has really pushed us. Uh, it's a team of of musicians, and so that that uh, like really revs me up about a Vern show is that I know we're going to make some really cool, different music. And it's people who I can like trust to be there. If I'm like, I'm going to throw in a weird color note. Like I'm going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Happy karaoke fun time is just completely different. It, completely different kind of show, despite being also narrative long form musical improv. Mm-hmm. That's for any, I don't know if anybody has a note, but it's a, uh, uh, we improvise it's, we do a narrative, but then when it's time for a song, instead of there being a piano player, there's a DJ and we learn like 25 ish tracks. And so when it's time for a song, we make up new lyrics to the tune of a popular song. So like, don't stop believing. And, um, we have hello and uh, a whole new world and let it go and all kinds of stuff. So that's, that's, very surprisingly so hard and completely different. So I have to be really like on my game to do a good happy karaoke fun time show. But when it is, it's like so great. People love it. Um, yeah. And that's it. And premiere. What I, what I like about your description of the shows is that you're describing everything in terms of what excites you about that particular show. Um, and I think that sometimes improvisers in general can kind of fall into this place where um, they'll take on a lot of shows. It's like a little bit of like a prestige involved in the number of shows that you get to do. Um, But just kind of bring the same energy to everything. Like one show, it's like dating a bunch of people and like not really uh, being able to choose a good birthday present for any of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, it, 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 it's nice to hear you talk in that way where you, you, there's something that you look forward to about all the shows and so a challenge that you get to, that you get to embrace. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's what keeps it like fun. And if it was, if it was four of any of those shows in a week, I would get b- bored. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it's, it's different and it's different people, some overlap, but different people and, um, makes it so fun. And I also think it's interesting um, starting up soon with both Blank and Baby Wants Candy. Um, Blank is uh, performing Saturdays at the Broadway Comedy Club um, and is very, the focus there is very uh, Broadway, very like not the Broadway move, not the improviser move. What's the Broadway move? Like what's the most polished? What, um, what, we're, they're trying really hard to make it like a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like maybe more like purposeful in the movements and kind of the way you talk and like a musical, the book is like pretty just kind of what you need to say. There's not a lot of like figuring out, you know, mm-hmm. and then baby wants candy is, I, I think 
kind of the other side of the pendulum. It's like very fast and game. And like, it's, it's not necessarily about being like the most, I mean, it, it is polished in that it's a great show, but, um, just like a totally different way of playing. And so it's inter- It's going to be interesting kind of like starting up both of those things at the same time, I think. Um, but, and like exercising like both sides of my performance. And I, I do think that a skill is being adaptable to like figuring out where you fit in each group. If you are a person who's on like multiple teams, it's like, well, on this team, I'm maybe like, you know, the wild card or on this team, I'm like the person who always wraps it up or like, and kind of figuring that out. Right. Well, it's like that community thing again. Every show is like its own mini community. Yeah. you, You have a role to play in that community. Yeah. And, um, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you're, you're like role in one place, kind of, you like over identify with that. And then it's like, I'm always the slow player or I'm always the, the person who wraps it up and gets the, the blackout line, or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always the, I'm always the protagonist or like whatever it is. Um, which is a, a pretty limiting way to, I think that's when you start to get into a funk. Yeah. You start to kind of like, uh, um, question about like who you are, which you don't want to be doing. Right. But it's like really good to think about what makes this particular show special, what skills are necessary to address that, and how do I step into that role tonight and 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 be able to exercise. I guess it's like being in a gym and exercising different muscle groups too. It's like, yeah, that's an interesting analogy. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- that That is kind of true. Yeah, and that's how it stays like fresh and interesting and um and I think I think the part of what has allowed me to um to get on some of these like other new shows or whatever is is that I've done so much and I've I've f- figured out like that skill of of okay, on this team, on this team. We've been on a lot of teams, done a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of reps. So where is the compass pointing for you now? I mean, you have big stuff coming up. Yeah. Yeah. My, my plan right now is, uh, to, uh, while I'm in Edinburgh, like take as much, um, do as much as I can to really set myself up for when I get back in September, um, to jump, uh, really hard into, film and television and commercial work. Mm. That's my like next big thing that I want to get into and work on. Um, so while I'm there, there's like some stuff I need to like do and arrange and so that I can really get here and like, like coast. Cause, um, I mean, I'm hoping it goes really well and is awesome, but as of right now, all I'm doing on baby wants candy is the Edinburgh French festival. Um, so like that'll be done and then I'll come back to all my shows but uh, I'm not working right now, so I have the days open and then the nights I do shows. And so the days, hopefully I can get some auditions and, like, get the ball rolling there. If uh, if you were on SNL, how would you see yourself on the show? What 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 kind of sense of humor would you bring to it? Um, A.D. Bryant's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as A.D. Bryant is on that show, I will not be on that show. We are the same <laughs> person uh we have the same type and her and the characters she plays are like they're exactly the kinds of character like she plays a lot of like young um like sort of silly weird like naive uh like t- 
teens and kids. And like, that's very funny to me. And she's always in the musical stuff. And like, that's obviously would be something. Um, yeah, that I should, another thing I want to work on when I get back is that as a, is characters. Cause that would, is something I need to like branch out into. I'm not much of a writer, mm-hmm. more of a performer, but then I think, I mean, I am, I write a show with other people. Right. So it's just, I just need to like take those characters and write them down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it you are a writer, it, but the, the, the frame that you usually put around what writing is just needs to be modified a little bit. You're yeah. Not, you're not a sit in front of the computer writer. Right. Yeah. Right. But I, you know, do come up with characters that I think are funny. Do you have, um, like, who, who, do you have like people that you looked up to when you were growing up? Like who, in your own like personal mythology, like what are the voices that are shaping the kind of characters you enjoy and the kind of comedy you like? Hmm, that's interesting. I never, I wasn't like super into comedy per se as a thing. Like I wasn't, I wasn't a person who grew up watching SNL every night or, or anything like that. Um, I got, I think, I think I got into um, the kinds of comedy that really, really speak to me. I think the first time I was ever like, Oh, that is the funniest thing that is, that hits my buttons is uh, Christopher guest movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I saw best in show, I was like, that's the, that's my, there's like something about that, like real life mockumentary. And then when like the office and parks and rec, like that sort of 10 or 12 years ago, when that was like the, um, style of comedy that really like hits my buttons really hard. So like all of those people, you know, like Tina Fey and, um, well with 30 rock and Amy Poehler, but like that wasn't necessarily stuff I was into as a kid. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. So w- not growing up with that being um, kind of a target, where where do you think the secret wish came from to be on the show? Um, I, so I think part of it, well, hmm, let me think. So I had always been funny. I was always funny. And, you know, I, I used comedy as a defense, like most of us. And like, I I was always like a funny person, but I was also, I think the way I identified myself as a child, like the first word somebody would have said, Kirsten is, is smart. I was very academic. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, and I, you know, I wanted to be a doctor and, um, while the whole time I was like, but I also want to be an actress. Literally in my eighth grade yearbook, it says, I want to be a teacher, an actress, and the president. So <laughs> why aim low? Yeah. Um, and I want to do all three. Um, yeah. So I'd always been funny, but, uh, I think, and then when I transferred this, the high school transfer that I mentioned earlier, um, I, I transferred to performing arts high school. And so I slowly, like the academic part became less important. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of was like, Oh, but I'm like funny. And like, this feels good. Like, this is what making people laugh feels so good. Like that's like the soul satisfying thing to me. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think it was like, as I sort of now, I think it's, I think I grew into a person that the first word I would think that people would probably describe me as like funny, mm-hmm. you know? And so then 
I don't know. I don't think I exactly answered the question. No, it, they're, they're because a lot of the people who you talk to who want to be on SNL, it's been like a lifelong, uh, you know, I saw Eddie Murphy and that changed my life or, or uh, the one person who's like, I saw Billy Crystal on SNL and that changed my life or nobody like Billy Crystal on SNL. But, well, that's not <laughs> he was big, but nobody, whatever. I'm lame joke. Uh, um, th- there's like that kind of thing where it's like, I've been dreaming about this show all my life because of the role models that I found. Yeah. But there's also like another kind of energy um, th- that I kind of identify as being sort of more about brimming over with uh, um, this kind of like joy in performing and entertaining and being uh, um, really funny that like uh, Dick Van Dyke is like the person who comes to my mind when I think about it. Oh, interesting. Have you seen, there's a documentary on HBO about um, uh, like the octogenarian crowd and I forget what it's called. I don't think I've seen it. Sounds interesting. It follows a bunch of people in show business who were all like the youngest of them is in their late eighties and the oldest of them are past a hundred and they're still like very busy and doing stuff. And it kind of looks at like how they live their lives and what they have in common. And a bunch of them are comedians. And Dick Van Dyke is like 95 or something and has like a fucking 45 year old wife and is like constantly singing and dancing and recording new albums. Yeah. And, um, I was reading about him and, and he just like started, he like taught himself to sing and dance when he was in the army or whatever to like entertain the other people in the, in the platoon. Yeah. There's kind of people like that where there's just this like over bubbling energy that makes you like performances is clearly what, where your intelligence finds itself. Yeah. You know, there's like a genius for it. And it, it sort of pops up in kind of like a variety show format. And it's like the, the whole like Carol Burnett generation of, of, of performers. There's just like uh, um, these people who have this amazing ability to like do it all. They can sing and they can dance and they can be really funny and they're excellent actors and and they love being in front of the crowd and they can be the most themselves when they're putting on a show. Yeah. Uh, it's just a different kind of energy, but, but, but it's it, – yeah, I don't know what point I'm making with it other than it's a great- Well, yeah, I do think that there is, like, it, I, I definitely wasn't a person. I know those people who, like, it's it's like, it's not specifically SNL. I think when it was my secret dream of SNL, it was almost just because it's like, I, I don't know if you get, like, people, when, they, when you say I do comedy or whatever, they're like, well, SNL, like- I think it's, I just didn't know much else. It's like less necessarily about that particular show. And like the idea that like it's always been performing. And when I said that that was my secret dream, it was, it was, I was performing, but it's like fine tuning and finding exactly what kind of performing makes me the happiest. And I think I'd always known that like comedic performing, like I, I think I'm an okay actress and like dramatic stuff is interesting in its own way but what like really fuels my fire is laughter mm-hmm. like making an audience from from when i was so little like my very first show uh real show was um was uh the secret garden and uh the it was an adaptation written by my drama teacher and she had written a character called the rose tree sprite who was literally had one line but was like around the garden was just like a little fairy and I remember 
in like the opening night, I had to like skip around and exit the stage. And I like fell on, like fell on my butt. And the, like the sound, like the people like of laughing, I was like, so I kept that bit the whole whole rest of the run. Like it just made me so happy. Like, and I was like, I like being funny, you know, I've never gotten as much satisfaction out of being sad, being serious. Have you ever been in a, in a, in a dramatic play and and found yourself being like, why are we not trying to make this funny or why, why are we not a little more like juice to this yeah I think I've always like looked for the humor yeah uh, even in places where it's like not really like my senior year of college I did Dido and Aeneas which is just like so sad she like killed herself and and I you know I like desperately searched for like any and that was with my voice type that was like the kind of roles I was always going to play like sad women who like kill themselves and I was like that sounds really depressing like a lifetime of studying it's like playing to this audience who's like well, i got my money's worth on this one it's yeah sad and she killed herself at the yeah. end How so many you, you ways? know you know that that's a work of art <laughs> yeah exactly um i like watching that kind like i love a sad movie i love a good cry but like in terms of like what really gets me and like the live performing too like i also really enjoy f- film yeah but i do what i i really love is like the live. And that's what I love about improv so much. It's like, I don't have to prepare anything. I don't have to do anything. I just like show up, have fun with yeah. my friends. And then I get this like drug that, like that, you know, the thing that makes me like the happiest in the world. And then I go home. Yeah. The, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like that feeling. I, I did a little bit of uh, a cruise ship work and um, there was a bit on our show. We had like the main stage show twice a week mm-hmm. um, that was in like their big theater. It's like an 1100 seat theater. And uh, we do this like best of sketch comedy show with a little bit of improv in there. And then at the end, there's like a, a, a run of these bits that were written specifically for the ship. Um, so it's all just making fun of ship life. Yeah. And um, it ends uh, on board a, a cruise ship. There's constantly like hand sanitize, uh, hand sanitizer stations everywhere. And uh, on on Norwegian cruise lines, there's this guy who works on the ship who started saying to people, washi, washi. And it became like the slogan on the ship. Yeah. And so we had a bit where at the very end of this run of ship life uh, uh, sketches, uh, one person would go washi, washi, and you'd stick your hand under another person's face and they would spit water all over your hands and you'd wash your hands. Stupid bit, <laughs> yeah. really not funny. But you knew it was like the highlight of the week when you did it because you would be hit with this wall, like a tidal wave of yeah. laughter. And you knew it was coming. And it just like, re, your energy for the week would rebound when Ugh. you were hit with that wave. It's the it's the greatest feeling a, a person can have. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. That's so amazing. That's so funny because it's like, I think people love, I think that's why interview form shows work so well. Mm. It's because like that bit really killed because like everybody like knew the joke, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think interview form shows kill so much because like they heard all the funny stuff. And then like when they hear it again, they're like, I know it. You literally just have to say something yeah. that they've heard. And they're like, I know that. Yeah. I heard it. Yeah. And like totally, totally kills. Uh, uh, you know, while we're at it, this is kind of my secret dream. And this will never be true because it's not true to my character. But my secret dream would 
I would love to be the kind of performer who was funny enough that people would look forward to talk show appearances. <laughs> you know, those people who like, they always do something weird and, and different and they like go out of the way to try to like surprise the host with something really bizarre. Yeah. Somebody with who does like, that's their thing. Yeah. I, like who am I thinking of? Um, TJ Miller. TJ Miller. That. Yeah. Uh, Will Ferrell does it. Um, Bill Murray used to do it with David Letterman back mm-hmm. in the day. There's just like something about that when you see it where it's like an event. Yeah. Because stuff on talk shows are so kind of vetted beforehand. When you see someone who kind of breaks that mold with something that you know that they're like, they're steering this in an unpredictable direction. That's a kind of comedy that I, I I've just like love. It like makes me tingle a little bit because it's such an event and it's such like a, um, such a surprise for everybody. Yeah. Well, Okay, so if that's your secret dream, what do we got to do? Yeah, we got to start. I got to walk the path that you're walking. Got to start working on characters. Yeah. That's kind of the thing. Yeah. That's the trap of a life in improv is that the, the, the price that you pay for getting that wall of laughter is also, it's an easy high to get. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Like, I know I know how to write. I know I know how to, like, what's funny but I literally just never want to like sit down and write it yeah. when I can like go to my Tuesday show, yeah. <clears throat> write it, do something. And like, then it's done and everybody loved it. And then I like don't have to, you know, edit it and like sit with it. The other thing is like sitting with something with the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, Bleh. yeah, you have to have a taste for um, that like solitude. Yeah. Which isn't, isn't easy. No, it's not. Um, I mean, well, it's interesting. The the potential energy that's locked into every single semi-decent improv group in New York City is enough to to fill Netflix with original material for for the next thirty years. Mm-hmm. And um, like, if you've ever done like a workshop with a group of people that you enjoy being with, like, I, I did a like an improv sketch. Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall does an improv sketch workshop that he like tours around. And uh, you do it for two days, and, and the first day he has you up and improvises a group. Um, he'll give you a, an opening line. You'll get a location and an opening line of dialogue, and then you improvise for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the 10 minutes, he sits down and he says, okay, what did we like? And everyone mm-hmm. talks about what they liked. And then he says, all right, you guys have 45 minutes. Go off and, and write and come back and put it up again. So you do that. And then you put it up again, and then you go through that same process and the idea is that by the next day, now that's like a fully refined sketch. Yeah. And it's the most fun. And all of your skills as an improviser come in. And in the rewriting of it, when you're in a room full of other performers, the rewriting is a blast because you're just punching up jokes and coming up with better ways to do it and changing the order of this character should enter now. Yeah. It's a blast. And it totally is that thing of capitalizing on the skills that you already have as a group of improvisers to do that stuff. It's just that extra thing of having like an authority figure in the room or a workshop that you paid money for Mm -hmm. that forces you to sit down and just make those choices. Put that little tiny bit of extra thing into it. Yeah. Every group has it. It's just if you, if all the potential is winded up into it, we just never have a good enough reason to like um, go the extra distance right that makes so much sense that makes so much that i gotta i gotta get on that <laughs> like because it it is really um overwhelming or like not fun sounding to me to like sit down and write yeah. something but like the idea of doing it doing it with other people um 
like even even um, Lindsay and I uh, used to do a lot of um, like video sketch stuff together. And then she's uh, has since moved into more of uh, directing and directing more like dramatic stuff. She's actually going to film school this fall. Very proud of her. Love you, Lindsay. Um, and uh, yeah, but what I always loved, like we did this little web series called Thank You To, where it was just us like in really ridiculous, like dressed up like showgirls and just like talking and the script for each one, we just came up with the night before, like sitting on her couch and mm. just talking and coming up with a couple funny ideas. And when we had five funny ideas, we were like, that's it. That's our five, you know, they're like two minute episodes or whatever. And that I was like, that's great. Rather than like sitting, there's something about sitting with like a blank screen being like here, be funny. Yeah. That just does not speak to me at all. Well, it's, it, you know how to do it, but it's the image, right? Th- that image of sitting is what stops you from mm-hmm. doing it. There's something wrong with that image. It just kind of like, it, it, cause I, I have it too, where it's not only like, oh, that doesn't feel fun at all. But then you also start to think that the product that I'm sitting down to write is like somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like there's something there, there's some like high quality thing that I have to kind of like beat myself up into creating. Yeah. Um, and whereas like, it's not true. It's really, it's what makes you laugh. That's right. going to be the best idea. Yeah. Well, and also I think part of my aversion to solo writing as well is like something that I really learned from improv. Like I used to be very, very controlling, um, around, especially around something like a group project in school or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. I was very much one of those people who was like, if I do the work, it'll be done right. You know? Um, and improv really taught me that, uh, what I build with other people is always going to be, my idea is always going to be made funnier by the contribution of your idea. Like every time it literally never fails. Like, you know, I have an idea and, you know, we, what we build together is like always going to be so much funnier Mm -hmm. than, than what I would build by myself. And so now I'm like very devoted to that idea. And so I'm like, well, I can't do it by myself because it won't be as funny. I mean, I guess you can always bring other people in or whatever, like to work with it. But yeah, that is something that the, the idea of doing it as like a thing like that with the two day with a group of people, that sounds great. I got to get on that. A time limit and and a group of people. It, it, it's sort of like it's it's also like working with people who who you are excited to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, if you love the way a person's brain works and you can't wait to be around them, that's probably a good writing partner to have. Yeah, yeah, that would be so interesting to do with a musical group. Yeah, and to come up with like a musical sketch or or series of sketches, little musical. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. Or like a, um, like a, 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 a festival show, let's say where you give yeah. yourself like seven days, uh, you know, you improvise it on Monday and by the following Monday, there's like a festival of like five brand new musical musicals that have just been created. That sounds, it's a thought. So dope. <laughs> that sounds like the best. It'd be so great. It's a thought. Get everybody on a house on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Hang out. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Sounds great. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Kiki Mickelson, it's been a pleasure talking. Thanks yes, for being on the show. Yes, you too. Uh, this is the time for you to plug things that you would like people to know about. Okay. Tuesdays, public pool, musical megawatt, varying times. 
different time every week, somewhere between seven and 10. Check the website. Yeah. Check the website. Um, Vern at the pit, seven o'clock on Wednesdays. That is a free show. So that's and fun. And a reliable time. Yes. Um, I won't plug happy karaoke fun time other than just be aware of it. Next time we do stuff, it's a really fun show. Uh, you should come see it. Um, premiere Friday nights at 10 PM at the magnet theater and starting, I believe my first date will be July 15th blank. The musical at Broadway comedy club is really cool. Super fun <laughs> show. And there's also, um, magnet people, other magnet people in it. Allie Reed is in that show. Doug Wydick is in that show. And, uh, yeah, so you should see it even if I'm not in it. And if you're in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, this summer and want to come see Baby Wants Candy at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, feel free. Uh, I'm willing to guarantee it'll be worth it if you're in Scotland. If you're in Scotland, if you're yeah. already across the water, yeah. you better show up to that show. Yeah, that would be a real a slap in the face if you were in Scotland. I'm not didn't. saying you should commute yeah. to Scotland, but if you're already there, you got to go. It's very fair. Kiki, thanks again. Thanks. And congratulations. Thank it's you. really exciting and everything coming up. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thank you. This has been the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to, uh, you know, the rogues gallery of familiar characters, our producer and engineer today, Evan Ford Barton, Ed Herbstman, our executive producer, and all of you very decent people for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, please give us a shout out on social media. It would be tremendously wonderful of you to do that. I hope that you are well. Uh, thank you once again to Kiki. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to The Magnet Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.